Lights that spark fire nation, a JLD here, and welcome to episode 1812 of EO Fire, where I chat with entrepreneurs on fire seven days a week. And if you're ready to accomplish that one big goal, visit thefreedomjournal.com. You'll accomplish it in 100 days. Now let's chat with today's featured guest, Alex Berman. Alex, are you prepared to ignite? Ready to ignite, John. Yes. Alex is the CEO of a marketing and lead generation agency called Experiment 27. He's responsible for generating over $6.5 million in B2B sales and over $35 million in leads for his clients. Alex, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that intro and give us a little glimpse of your personal life. Sure. So the company runs called Experiment 27. We do marketing for digital agencies, so we help them find leads. Uh, last time we talked on the show, I was the CMO for a company called Inspire Beats, another lead gen company. My background's in the agency business. Uh, I was a CMO at a former agency. And now, yeah, for the last, probably last three years, I've been a digital nomad. So personal life is me kind of going around from city to city, no permanent base. Yeah, when we last chatted with Alex Fire Nation, it was episode 1388, which you know, is right around 500 episodes ago. So it was, it, was, it was a little while ago for sure. And a lot has changed for him since then. And what would you say, Alex, is today currently your area of expertise? So I think my current biggest area is lead gen for agencies and services businesses. So helping services businesses find the right type of clients and then also helping them you know, sell deals to those clients. Well, what's something that we as entrepreneurs don't know about that that we probably should? The biggest thing is how easy it is to actually get in front of gigantic companies, so like Fortune 500 companies, if you have the right case study and you frame it the right way. Fire Nation, if you want to hear Alex's story, and it was quite impressive. We talked about his worst moment, his aha moments. We crushed the lightning rounds. That was episode 1388. Just go to eofire.com and you can search Alex Berman. You can check it out right there. But today we're going to be talking about something different. We're going to be going through a few things that Alex is really going to be bringing value within this interview. Number one being how he went from an entrepreneur to a business owner. Alex, how'd that happen? So I think the biggest difference between an entrepreneur and a business owner is one of the, is the way they approach business. So a lot of people want to be an entrepreneur, right? They want to go out and they want to do the sexiness of like selling clients. But when it really turned into business owner for us was when we added about we added six or seven people to our team in one month because we got so many clients that we really needed to fulfill uh, all those. Uh, we needed to fill all those orders. So in order to do that, we had to start creating all these systems and processes around, you know, what everybody actually does. So actually going through and doing the documentation necessary. So, you know, when we get this, when we when we get a client that wants this thing and then they they do this one thing, uh what, what do we do then, right? Where do we send that email? Who needs to be looped in? And then also like building out that team structure around uh, everything that we're doing. So it wasn't just me and my co-founder doing all the work anymore. I think that's the, the biggest mindset shift between business owner and entrepreneur. I think the other side of it also is in the, uh, in the value of what's being offered. So when I stopped being an entrepreneur, I think is when uh, we decided to stop selling like everything under the sun and really focus on just generating leads for digital agencies. That makes a lot of sense. And one thing that I don't think a lot of people realize, Alex, is that just because you started running an agency or a company or a business one way doesn't mean that it's going to be run that way one year, two years, five years from now. You need to evolve as a business, Fire Nation. You need 
to pivot, to adjust, to iterate as your business grows, as your team grows. So how is the second year of running an agency different than the first, Alex? So I think the biggest difference is that first year, it seemed like everything was kind of working. So people would buy the product. Um, we weren't exactly productized. We were, first, we started off selling content last year, like blog posts. Then it kind of pivoted to uh, an SEO retainer. And then we were starting to do a little bit of cold email and cold calling. But it wasn't really productized. So once we started productizing the service, we immediately got a bunch of client pushback that were that was um, basically clients asking for custom stuff that was outside of what we were offering. So we had to start saying no to a lot of clients. Year two of an agency is also when if there's not good product market fit, you'll start to feel it. So this year, we also saw a huge spike in our refund rate, like in month two or month three of this year. And we basically had to go step by step and figure out why do people want refunds? What What is happening? Why are people canceling? And we found out that there was a lot of stuff that we weren't providing value on that we should have. So for instance, a lot of the meetings we were booking, uh, we were getting meetings with the right people, but we were missing uh, context piece. So basically, clients would take the meetings and they wouldn't really know what the meetings were about. And literally the fix that got us to lower that refund rate was one, hiring an account manager to kind of see what was going on. So now the account manager is like the guy who sees everything from the client's point of view. And then the other simple fix was having our cold callers, as soon as they book a meeting on the calendar, forwarding the email chain to the client. And that dropped our, that dropped our uh, refund rate considerably. So it was literally just taking it step by step. And there's like millions of those problems that, that have popped up in, in year two. Um, all around that, we've had some, some legal issues too, like a uh, one of our vendors was threatening to sue us. A couple of our uh, our uh, team members were like threatening lawsuits. We were able to kind of defend all that stuff. But none of that ever happened in, in year one. Tax stuff, we had to deal with that. So it's like a lot of stuff that kind of happens that makes year two. I mean, so far it's been the roughest year. But we're like in the last two, three months, we're like pulling out of it and everything's getting a lot more systematized now. And this is a business maturing. This is a business evolving because Fire Nation, what you're hearing is Alex is putting in the systems and the processes. So he's fixing some things, but then guess what? Other problems are going to crop up that are new and different to a second year, third year, fourth year business than to a first year business. So you need to evolve with this. And specifically within that, Alex, how do your processes actually evolve as your company is growing? Like, what does that process look like? So on the production side, we've got the product manager, product slash project manager who's in charge of checking everybody's inboxes and making sure that they're doing the work they say. But then we also have that account manager I talked to or talked about who his entire job is trying to approach the business like I would approach it as a business owner and basically optimizing processes, seeing it from the outside. So that's the first point. The other point, the other place we do it is in the actual processes ourselves. So one of the things we sell is cold calling and cold emailing, which means we're producing a lot of work. Let's say one of our guys outreaches to 200 people a week for one of our clients. We know that if our uh, response rate is under you know, 3%, then he's rewriting. We know if the subject line is under 80% open rate, then he's rewriting the subject line. So basically that optimization's in there. Uh, the other thing we've been doing is adding more of an agile process. So for instance, a lot of our clients in the agency world, a lot of agencies don't know who their niche should be or even if they want a niche. So if you look at their uh, case studies, they'll have case studies in like healthcare and restaurants and banking and like all these different clients, all these different industries that have nothing to do with each other. So one of the ways we optimize is adding that agile process. So in one week, we're testing banking. Then in week two, we're testing uh, you know, machinery or whatever. And then whichever one has the most uh, luck for that specific agency 
we implement. So it really is just making a circle and just kind of going through that process over and over again and, and changing things as they need to be changed. So Fire Nation, these are value bombs that Alex dropping that Alex is dropping about how to grow a business the right way, about how to evolve and about how the fact that it doesn't necessarily get easier, it just gets different and you need to be open to new problems springing up, to new opportunities springing up and to always be adjusting your systems and your automations and your team to really account for that and to know, hey, this is what's going to work today, but knowing that it might not work tomorrow and always have those hands-on meetings and the eyes-on and that communication is critical within and throughout that team. Well, I usually go in with two assumptions. So one being that we're terrible. And if I know that we're terrible, right, if that's the assumption I have in my head, then I'll try to do as much as possible to try to make us better, even if our all of our clients are telling us good stuff. <laughs> so I'll also go out and I'll ask our clients. Um, I was just in L.A. recently meeting with like three or four clients in person. And one of them, I was sitting down in the first the first 15 minutes of this 30 minute meeting. I asked him what was good or, or I asked him for feedback on what was going on. And he told me only what was good for the first 15 minutes. And I had to like really drill like, all right, yeah, you like the lead quality, but like h- how how is the time spent? And I found out, I finally found out his issue was that he was spending a bunch of time that he shouldn't be, but he didn't know that because the process uh, was broken from the beginning. And that's the kind of stuff where if if I had just listened to those first 15 minutes, I would have thought that, yeah, I'm I'm amazing. But it really is like assuming you're (laughs) terrible and then like digging in as hard as possible to get that that uh, bad feedback so you can improve. I always assume things are terrible. I mean, Fire Nation, that might sound harsh, <laughs> but it can really help you get to the crux of the matter of the problem. Because sometimes when you're sitting face to face with somebody, they might not want to tell you. They might not be that confrontational. They might not be able to be that blunt. Or like in that case that Alex was just talking about, they, they might not even know. And unless you dig, 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 you might not figure it out. So keep going, Alex. Yeah. And then the other side of it's data. Um, so for a while, we were, or actually, we're still doing this, but for a while... Um, so we have color coding within our company. So I see like all of our accounts, how are all our clients doing by color? Uh, green is good. Red is bad. Yellow is not too good. And green is like super good. Uh, for a while we were doing those colors based on how we felt about the accounts. So like, if we think this account's doing good this week, we'll make it green. And what we found is a lot of our clients were churning or just all of a sudden being extremely unhappy with us after being happy this entire time. So let's say they're happy for like nine months. And then at month 10, all of a sudden they're like, Hey, what's going on guys? They're super mad. And what we found out is rather than having those colors, what we needed to switch to was a numbers based, like no BS approach system. Cause that way we're forced to see that we suck uh, without the (laughs) client, without the client telling us and without our team having to really feel it. We're forced to see that we suck. I mean, Fire Nation, you just got to be honest with yourself. I mean, so many people are just playing games and they're playing games with themselves. They're fooling themselves. And it's not how a business is built. Now, value bombs are going to be dropped, Fire Nation, when we get back from thanking our sponsors. Have you ever thought about using your past business or corporate experience to help others in business by becoming a business consultant, coach, or advisor? If so, there's an opportunity to enter the world of business consulting with a complete system ready for you to run with called ConsultX. If you're a business consultant, coach, or advisor, or interested in becoming one, then you should check out ConsultX. ConsultX is an online consulting program that helps an engaged community of like-minded people. So all the training tools and support that you need to become a successful business consultant are ready for you when and how you want to consume them all in one place. Find out more now by visiting consultx.com slash fire. That's consultx.com slash fire. You can also check out their podcast, Everything Business Consulting, to help you get started. Do you ever find yourself wishing you were better at keeping up with the people you love? 
I get it. Relationships are complicated. And when you run your own business, keeping up with your customers can be even tougher. That's why Zendesk built a software solution that helps entrepreneurs like you and me build better customer relationships. How, you ask? Well, did you know 75% of customers would rather reach out via chat, email, social media, or help themselves in your knowledge base rather than call over the phone? That's why Zendesk put every channel you need in one place, making it easy for your customers to reach out and making it even easier for you to manage support and provide excellent customer service. Plus, companies using Zendesk solve 39% of their customer support questions on the first response. For your college buddies, you're on your own. But for your customers, try Zendesk. Schedule a demo today and see for your yourself. Visit Zendesk.com slash fire. That's Zendesk.com slash fire. So Alex, we're back and brother, you fired your entire <laughs> sales team. So talk about that process and how did you rebuild it? I follow Jason Lumpkin's advice, which in the beginning he says, uh, hire two sales guys to test to, to test your, uh, your sales. So I hired two sales guys to test. And the reason why you hire two is because, especially if you're selling a new product or you're selling a product with a new sales team, if one of them is really great, you wouldn't know if it's the product or if it's the sales guy that's great. Or if they're bad, it's the same way. You don't know if it's the product or the sales guy. So I hired two sales guys to do this. And their goal, we just set an arbitrary goal of 10 closes per month, which for our product is, is insanely high. I know that now. Um, they, they, should be tar- they should have been targeting about for two to four closes a month each. Um, but we, we set that target. It was way too high. And after about six, seven months, uh, we knew that they weren't anywhere close to it. Uh, we also knew their activity goals were wrong. But the main reason why we had to let the team go is because of uh, management. So I was running the sales team. And what I realized is I was running the sales team, but I was also running production and being pulled in so many directions. And what happened is I didn't have the time to give the mentorship to the sales team that I should have. Um, which for sales is super important, especially when you're teaching them to sell a new product. So what we did is, yeah, we fired the sales team. We let them go. Uh, I hired a new sales trainer, an old guy, like, I, I don't want to say old, an, a, a more aged gentleman. <laughs> How like old? Maybe. I want to know what you think old is. <laughs> Between 35 and 45. Oh my I God, I am old in your <laughs> eyes. I love this. <laughs> Middle-aged gentleman who's been doing sales for like 25 years. Yeah. So I hired, I hired him. Uh, as our senior sales director. And then I got these two junior guys uh, underneath them. And that's that's the new system that we're building. Both of them, uh, the last sales guy that we hired just finally closed his first deal. It's been about 30 days. Um, to give you context, when I was running the other sales team and you know managing them laissez-faire style, it took them 90 days to get their first sale, their first close. So it's already been a big improvement. But yeah, the, the bigger lesson there is if something's not working, and if you have these numbers to show that something's not working, you have to be willing to pull the trigger. Like both the sales guys that we fired were great guys, but they weren't willing to improve. And it became pretty clear, especially after we started talking about like the improvements that would be necessary to get them up to the goals that they needed to hit. So you have 12 team members literally all over the world. So how do you actually manage a fully nomadic team? I mean, I know that freaks a lot of people out because they're like, are they actually going to be working? Are they going to be having multiple employees that are doing the bare minimum? Like, how do you make that work? It starts with the goal setting. Um, So when you say, yeah, are they barely going to work and all that stuff? I don't think about the number of hours they put in uh, to the business at all. Uh, It doesn't matter really what the hours that they're putting in. I don't care where they're working from. Um, all I care about is do they show up to meetings that's supposed to be at on time and then do they hit their activity goals for the week? So for instance, for our sales guys, that's 200 emails sent per account 
Um, so maybe they're working on five, six accounts. And then also, you know, cold calls, 50, 60 cold calls a week per account. Um, or sorry, 56, 50 to 60 cold calls a week total. So if they're hitting their numbers, then it's fine. I also have a project manager, like I said before, whose only job is to make sure they're telling the truth about their numbers. Because what I found is even when people don't want to lie, they'll start stretching the truth uh, just to hit their numbers. So for instance, you know, let's say they sent 198 emails. They might round up and say it's 200 emails for the week just to, you know, just so that they don't get in trouble. But if we have somebody actually in there checking their inbox every day, and he's got access to the actual inboxes, then he can say, oh yeah, you sent 198 emails. Then our account manager can see that and be like, hey man, what's going on? Why do you only send 198? Mm -hmm. Is it basically he can break it down that way. So being extremely honest with the feedback has helped. And also, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if you're in an open relationship with someone, right? Like, or actually if, if you're in a, if you're in a healthy dating relationship, like you're not really worrying what they're doing on the side or you're not really worrying where they are at all times, right? As long as they're giving you whatever, whatever that one metric is you need. So, <laughs> Great analogy. <laughs> that's, that's the main way I do it. Like, yeah, try to, trying to avoid, uh, it's kind of like, yeah, trying to avoid jealousy that way. Um, not really caring too much about what they're doing. Like a few of our, our employees actually run businesses on the side. Uh, several of them run their own agencies and they're actually using a lot of the stuff that we use for our clients uh, in their own companies and seeing tremendous value from it. All right. Give us one advantage about actually being a digital nomad and then give us one disadvantage on the other spectrum. Sure. So one advantage of being a digital nomad is the freedom to work anywhere, right? Like that's that's the reason why anyone would do it. So for me, a huge disadvantage was the lack of connections, like the lack of friend group because I would be moving around too much. Uh, but if you if you focus on that and you actually frame your life around it, it's pretty easy to start building friend groups. Like, for instance, I started just moving around and living around different family members to try to, like, maintain that connection. <laughs> In terms of getting work done, I don't really worry about it because there's a certain type of person that can work as a nomad. And if you're that type of person, you kind of know it. And if if you do know it, then you can kind of build your own processes and, and get stuff done. So I don't really worry about getting stuff done too much. Well, let's end today on fire with you giving us a parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Sure. So parting piece of guidance, the most valuable thing that I've used so far in like this three years of business is Upwork. Like hiring freelancers to do random tasks for, you know, 25, 30, $40 an hour, like paying top rates on Upwork has been like the biggest life hack for me. And what's the best way we can connect with you? If you want to see a bunch of free YouTube videos on sales training, cold emails, entrepreneurial journey, that sort of stuff, uh, b2bsalestraining.org, or you can just send me an email, alex at experiment27.com. Fire Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You've been hanging out with AB and JLD today, so keep up the heat. And again, if you want to hear Alex's first episode, that was 1388. Uh, he drops some value bombs about his journey, the worst moment, the aha moments, the lightning rounds. Definitely check that out. And again, Alex, one more time, if people want to email you, what was that? Alex at experiment27.com. Head over to eofire.com. Type Alex in the search bar. His show notes page is going to pop up, Fire Nation. These are the best show notes in the biz. Timestamps, links galore. Email Alex directly. Check out what he has going on. And Alex, I want to thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we will catch you on the flip side. I want to thank you for having me. Hey, Fire Nation, hope you enjoyed our chat with Alex today. And from accomplishing goals to launching a podcast to creating funnels and webinars that convert, I have four free courses awaiting you at eofire.com. I'll catch you there or I will catch you on the flip side. 
If you're a business consultant, coach, or advisor, or interested in becoming one, then you should check out the Consult X Business Success Program. Find out more today by visiting consultx.com slash fire, and be sure to subscribe to their podcast, Everything Business Consulting.